build something that's better that outperforms. And that's sort of our mantra. It's a combination of things. And that's why, as we're talking, I feel it's not any one thing, it's all of the above that really help you build a company. Make a great product firstly, tell the world about it, however which way you can. Today's guest in CMO Talk is Paul Walgren, Chief Marketing Officer at Beautystat. This is CMO Talk, the podcast. Marketing discussed at the highest level. CMO Talk is sponsored by our valued partner, Adobe. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to CMO Talk. My name is Klaas Weimar, professional marketer, founder of Agency Energize and podcaster since 2008. In this monthly show, we unravel the secrets of world's marketing giants. And I'm Adam Fields. I'm a stand-up comedian. And I actually think the world would be a better place without marketing. (laughs) Convince me otherwise, guys. (laughs) Today, we are honored to have Paul Walgren as our guest live in the studio in Amsterdam. Yes, we are. And Paul started his marketing career at Philips Consumer Electronics. Hailing from the States, he built an impressive career in both retail and wholesale. And since 2018, he's been working as an entrepreneur, a marketer and co-founder at Beauty Stairs Cosmetics. And today we're talking to Paul about building a brand new company and brand in a very difficult sector, the beauty industry. Um, Paul will share some insights on do's and don'ts when you start a grassroots beauty startup. What are the necessary building blocks for building a business and community on social media? And how do you take care of customers? Answer to these and many more questions right here in CMO Talk. Let's go uh, right in. Uh, talk a little bit about the background of Beauty Stat. Mm-hmm. It was founded by Ron Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, originally as a blog, a cosmetics yep, blog, a beauty blog. And now you sell directly to consumers. Please, please tell our audience how you've met the founder and how that worked out. Hmm. Well, it's actually, I fell into beauty about nine years ago after a, uh, a long career in uh, luxury goods, watch and jewelry industry, and before that, consumer electronics in those Philips days, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like my sort of my career has been this progression of just building from you know wholesale retail, learning at a very early age of taking care of customers. I grew up in you know a retail store. Yeah. So just you as yourself talk, through college and high school, high school working, and high school you? working from yeah. one job from fourteen years until almost twenty nine, and I think that just always gave me that. Just as I'm talking with you. I felt always very comfortable talking about whatever was whatever widget I was working with, and it was selling consumer electronics and understanding features and how you build up a product line. Hmm. That always helped me when I went to the wholesale side or the brand side because I always had that that sort of structure in my head. And then in the end, it's just you know taking care of customers. If you if you educate them, I never felt I was selling. I always felt I was educating a consumer, and I think that mm-hmm. was always my approach. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a commission salesperson, so I got used to selling without that drive. Internally, I was competitive, so I always wanted to be the highest salesperson on in the store every week. So it was something that always built me, and I and I just feel it was um it's been fun through the career to to sell, right, you know, and right. and it's it's a little sense of accomplishment. And then once you later on in life have a commission sales job, where hey, I get a piece of that, it's even a another incentive. So I think that was always built into me that that bit of business instinct to take care of the customer, educate the customer, and sell. Yeah. Right. And that stayed and, with you today. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah. just, you know, it becomes part of your, a little bit of your instinct, business and, instinct. And how do you met uh, Ron, the founder? So, interesting enough, my first foray into beauty was almost 10 years ago. I can't believe I've been in the beauty business 10 years. And then I met one of Ron's colleagues. He's the one who introduced me and Ron almost 10 mm-hmm. years ago, um, Jules Aquino. Jules was the former head of R&D at SD Lauder Companies and worked with Ron. 
So when I look at Ron and Jules, what's really interesting about them, and this is what made me really believe in these guys, is probably in the last 40, 50 years in the industry, I think there's maybe only been 10, 20 people probably in the world with their skill set. So when you have, you know, two cosmetic chemists who are on literally hundreds of patents, most of them are owned by big companies, of course. I really believed in them and their skill set, especially when I looked at like Ron and Jules greatest hits, top brands. I almost I almost sometimes I want to mention them. Sometimes I don't. But I guess I should mention. Here we go. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, products at Clinique, La Mer, uh, Ceramide Capsules. I think. Early in Jules' career, one of the ones he uh, formulated was Vaseline Intensive Care Lotion, one of the, probably the biggest sold products on the planet. So that is where I had this. Okay, these, uh. these I feel like I'm working with the Steve Jobs of skincare, actually, you know, between <laughs> uh, Jules and Ron. And and, Jewel, and Ron, I just had such a good um, relationship with when I first met him, a good feeling about him, just a really down-to-earth guy. And as I start, as I sort of got taken under the wing, I was able to come into an industry I didn't come from. Remember, I came out of consumer yeah, electronics. And I came out of, you know, That's a frog goods, watch and jewelry. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. fell into industry where I I didn't have the context in the industry. I didn't really know much. But, man, I had a, such a um, a fast track to understand compliance, understand production, understand packaging, understand mm. formulation. And I've been fortunate when you work in a small company, you sort of have to work on everything. So mm. in the first company, I learned a lot. The second company, I'm able to move a little faster. And, and then using my wholesale retail contacts and the team of people that we brought together – we're all seasoned veterans, and I think that's what's so interesting as mm. we age. I'm, I'm 56 years old. I know I'm, I'm, no, not, a, I'm no. not a kid anymore. It's the serum. Well, you clearly use the serum, serum product. <laughs> you definitely use it. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I think what it is is when you get that 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 team of people where everybody just has their, their skill and we sort of stay in our lane, but we also challenge each other and we bump heads sometimes, mm. but that's all, it's all very healthy. Well, Ron, Ron, when was the moment, was there a decisive moment where you felt, okay, I want to be part of Ron's vision? Well, I think it was the the combination of seeing that what Ron and Jules came together with having this patent on stabilizing vitamin C. I'm like, okay, this is this is like the holy grail of skincare to stabilize oh, and unstabilize. Stabilizing. So vitamin C, yeah. think of very simple. When you open up most products with vitamin C, think yeah. of it as like you cut an apple in half or an avocado. What happens to it when you leave it out in the air? Probably yeah. starts yeah. to turn brown very yeah. shortly. Yeah. And you, you can picture it in your head. Yeah. That's what happens to most products. And it turns brown, but it oxidizes. And whatever percentage of, you know, pure L-ascorbic acid it has, it starts to degradate. It, it'll go down. Uh, okay. Where ours is rock solid. It's 20% today, three months from now, three years from now. So consumers are getting results with the product within weeks, not months. Okay. And you're delivering on the promise. You know, hmm. if you're and the product is great because it is a, you know, vitamin C is almost like a Swiss army knife of anti-aging. It works on lines and wrinkles, uh, age spots, hyperpigmentation, uh, pore size. It works on everything. So it, it does help a lot of people with skin issues. Um, it's healthy. I think most consumers understand vitamin C is something that's good for me. If I'm ingesting it or putting it in my skin, it's a good thing. And and like normal consumers use it, but also yep. Haley Bieber. She's yeah, a Baldwin. She's Baldwin, yeah. yeah. And right. Just yeah. An, an attractive woman, a model, um, entrepreneur. Superstar. Um, yeah, pretty well known, but Influencer. in a good way. Yeah, TV like, personality in the yeah, States. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. You know, celebrity, but um, very positive, you know, I think mm. a very positive out there in the industry. And she met Ron a couple of years ago, and Ron was sort of consulting her on her skincare line that she just launched, which is not necessarily a competitor. It's different positioning than ours. Mm. And she did us a couple solids here and there about talking products. So she just generally liked our product, not because we were paying her to say nice things about us. She actually liked our product. So you, so you don't actually pay her? No. Nothing? I don't know. No. 
Just a sample now and then. Authenticity. Authenticity is very important in this and, industry. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and very rare, isn't it? Isn't it is rare? rare. And I think, and you guys know this, I think consumers are, are fatigued, I think, by a lot of celebrities and influencers being paid shilling, yeah. so to yeah. speak, for <laughs> yeah. goods that you don't know. Do they really like it or are they just being paid to, to like it? And I think that's the one thing that, you know, Ron and his connections with a lot of the the beauty editors, we've been able to send products to people and we don't advertise in magazines. We don't, we don't, they can't, we can't pay them to write good things about us or win right. awards. The products speak for themselves. So we've been very fortunate to be able to, you know, send out the products to the beauty editors and suddenly like we're the top 10 vitamin C product. We won this award. And now what's really interesting. And, you know, I was just in the UK recently training some of our retail partners and I'd pull up a slide. I'm like, I almost start the, I always start the presentation with saying, this is who we are. We're a cosmetic chemist founded company with a patented technology. We have our own lab. We develop our own products. We're all made in the U.S. And I said, I'm also going to, like everybody else says, we make the best products. I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to show you at the end of this presentation is this is what the press says about this. And these are all the awards we won. I'll let you be the judge if you think we're good or not. <laughs> and when you take that approach, nice. yeah. it's a little more self-effacing, yeah. I think, yeah. um, because I'm not a boastful type of person. But I have, I always say my job's easy. We make good shit, <laughs> you know, but that, but That's a marketing <laughs> technique in itself, isn't it? It is. Just, just trying to be humble and yeah. uh, and uh, not not doing the, the hard sell on the push. When you don't have to, why should you, yeah. in a way? You know, when you make good products, which obviously I'm going to get you guys products. You're going to try it too. <laughs> it works for all of us. I mean, we, we send it to the editors at Vogue L and as well as GQ, Men's Health. I mean, and... You know, we're getting the accolades on both both uh, sides because the products are made for everybody. Is beauty stand successful? And can you share some numbers? Well, I'll give you a, a little bit of overview. I can share a little bit. But what's been interesting is we formed the company in 2018, formed the product part of it because it was a blog. Beauty stat is a blog. Yeah. Uh, so our corporate name is Simply Active Cosmetics mm -hmm. for a reason. We actually try to use as few actives as possible and get maximum efficacy out of it. In 2019, we turned on a website. Six months later, there was a pandemic. Um, so, and we had a lot of, uh, you know, I'm obviously based in the U.S. We had a lot of civil unrest during that time. And I myself was sick. I was one of the first people to get COVID in March and April 2020. And once I came off the other side, luckily I'm relatively healthy, could weather it. I moved down to Florida. I wasn't sure where, which direction we were going to go with. It was really scary times, as you guys, you know, know I'm sure yourselves. And then um, the, the tide turned suddenly. You know, we were getting more, you know, people asking about the product. Consumers were at home. They started focusing on their skin, maybe not necessarily putting on makeup. But they focused on their skin, mm. on their health, you know, and I think that's where the pandemic, I think, sort of shifted for us. And then, you know, Ron is um, African-American descent. We had a lot of civil unrest around George Floyd and the, mm. the retail companies were basically saying, you know, we do have to support, you know, minority led companies. Um, Ron being, you know, the, the founder and face of the brand. We already had, you know, some pretty good press about it. But then suddenly the retailers who I'd been pushing, you know, I've been sending samples and talking to them, they're like, hey, we'd like to give you a test. So summer 2020 was like this shift, mm -hmm. you know, the, the retailers started bringing us in. Consumers were buying D to C. So it just it just suddenly like the tide turned and we've been just pushing on that momentum. So, yeah, we did um, a little bit of business in 2019, multiplied it times five and in uh, 2020, 2021 kept building on it. And now we're on a, a pretty good trajectory. You know, we, we've, we've formed great relationships with uh, Nordstrom, Marcus Sachs, Blue Mercury, some of the larger retailers. 
Um, I started because of my international background. I started dipping my toes here um, into uh, the UK. And we just yeah. launched with. So are you Space are, are your products available in, in stores or only online? Both. No, no, we're in stores and online. So the the retailers in the US are sort of both. Mm. Uh, Space NK in the UK is both. Uh, Netta Netta Porte uh, here in Europe is yeah. another dot com. Look fantastic, another large dot com. But the big one is we've been chasing for a couple of years was um, talking to Ulta Beauty. Ulta Beauty is one of the largest retailers in the United States, about 1,300 stores. Mm-hmm. We were fortunate to, they gave us the opportunity to do a 250 store test in March of this year, uh, sort of end of February, March. Within Literally within weeks, they said, guys, time for the next step. We're going to take you to all 1,300 stores and we're launching basically in late August, early September, into all stores. Right. That's the next big step for us. And what did that, what did that step do revenue-wise? Can, can you well, share um, <laughs> just to That's fill. what we're trying to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Well, I well, want to go straight to the beef. Yeah. High, What's the bottom line here? Well, high, high level, um, it's a significant jump in business. Mm. We will easily pro- break to 10 million in sales. You know, I'll give you a little hot yeah. number out there. Yeah. Uh, considering we didn't exist as a brand yeah. uh, three years ago, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but that's amazing yeah. without any significant marketing budget. So, no. uh, well, if if you if you peel that off, that that success, right? It's amazing uh, uh, as an ac- accomplishment. What what are the main drivers well, for that I think, success? I think the main drivers, and as I said earlier, you know, the product's good. One of our most important things was getting product in people's hands. So mm. one of the things where we did Sampling. spend some money is sampling and we we got in a couple um of the what we call subscription boxes like uh ipsy is a large one fab fit fun there's a few of them in the in the united states we did do some significant sort of in the early days the first year year and a half sort of aggressive facebook marketing and you know buy this 50 percent off we will never do it we don't have to do that anymore because you know but we had to do anything to get in people's hands to try it because once they tried it we knew they liked it because the product mm. is good and it worked yeah, it delivered yeah. results yeah. that's the other thing that's very important we have uh, the backup on the product, meaning we do safety testing first. We're about safety testing. We do a consumer study. When we started this company, we had about, Ron had built up about 30,000 people in a database of, let's call them beauty enthusiasts. Okay. And those could range from um, makeup artists, um, estheticians, maybe some derms, some influencers, maybe even a few celebrities. So we would quickly do a test of like 300 to 500 people and get that first sort of feedback. Then we're only going to do a clinical test because clinical tests in a lab are very expensive. Right. Startups don't do them. Big mm-hmm. companies do them. Yeah. We are trying to operate, and we always have from day one. We operate our product development team just like those guys are still in the billion-dollar companies, but we're doing it in a startup. Another reason why the product is um, you know, performing. We have that evidence. We have qualitative and quantitative. Before we put something out on a shelf, we already know we have a winner in a way, and we, and we really do try to benchmark whatever's out there and then surpass that. And we price the product pretty reasonable for what you get. And it's these combinations of these things that then consumers, and as you know, you, well, you mentioned it's quite you yeah. pricey. Well, I mean, the the your standout product, the Universal Sea Skin Refiner, correct? Yeah, and that's eighty dollars for thirty milliliters. Correct. Uh, that kind of like made me go, made me gulp. Go, well, really? it, it's I funny. Mean, I know that you gulp, but yeah. you're not the average woman who's buying the product. That's one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. How do you know that? <laughs> well, here it is. I actually have one here. Yeah. Funny enough, he has one in his hand as we speak. <laughs> yeah. What the thing is, what you notice is if you yeah. put a pump on the hand, you don't really, it has no smell technically, so it's yeah. fragrance free. It leaves, it soaks mm. right in. 
You won't feel much, but if you put it on your face, it actually may tingle. It shows I have dry skin. 20%. So no, there's well, no I got the moisturizer for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> to a, a consumer who's, let's call them skincare enthusiast or some yeah. savvy, they immediately like, wow, this feels good. Okay, because it has like a mat. You can't even tell it's on my hand now, but that's 20%. Yeah. And on my mm-hmm. face, it would start to tingle, actually. Oh, um, and then, you know, if it's, if it's <laughs> bothering you, here's the, the moisturizer. And the moisturizer, what's interesting, this, just put a little bit on the back of your hand. What you'll notice with that, we, we really focus on like barrier repair. And what we're trying to do is get your skin to feel as healthy as it, as it can. This, this is for the hands? That, no, that's it? for the face. Oh, this you, is for the you, face. You always demo it on your hand, but we, as we're talking, you're putting it on your, so you can feel it. Right. And the, the big thing with this is, you know, it will soak in. You won't yeah. even feel mm-hmm. it, and it won't feel oily or greasy. And that's the yeah. one thing that people love obviously we went to the blog yep. and there's and also on youtube there's so much user generated content correct there, right so they're all and they're just like they're not professional recorded is that probably also part of that of that success the authenticity the the yes yeah, yeah. the no, sort definitely. of renegade the realness film, the, basically what yeah. well, called user generated content yeah. and again we're not paying these people to say things about us and what was interesting i think you know ron has, you know we send products out to everybody i think uh, maybe it was a year and a half, two years ago. One of the um, TikTok people, who was a you know um, a dermatologist who's pretty well followed, suddenly he you know posted. Then other people, and then now we become quote TikTok famous. We're a TikTok <laughs> oh, really? famous brand. We found out yeah. we have like seven million you know views or something like that. <laughs> right. And this one gets a little crazy. Wow. So there, there's people some mag- viral virality. Magazine, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then yeah. People Magazine picked up that story. Yeah. They put a direct link to our Amazon page. I control oh. our Amazon page. I sell to no one else because we have our brand registered. So all of a sudden I see the spike in our Amazon sales right. in that 24 to 48 hour pair. I'm like, there you go. It's a direct link from, okay. from an article, from editorial, mm-hmm. right to sales. Yeah. And that's what helps with the, you know, sort of the direct to, you know, consumer model and being on, you know, we have our website. So when I look at our D2C business, I have like an umbrella over it and I say, okay, we have our website. You know, we have our Amazon page. Then we have our wholesale. Then we, you know, and, and as you start to look at these, then I go to international and under each one you have, okay, pure play internet retailers. You have ones with bricks and mortar. You have omni-channel ones that obviously do both. And this is how you sort of, you know, diversify your risk, um, build up your sales. Also, I'm very confident that, you know, tomorrow if one retailer, you know, said, okay, we're not going to deal with you. I mean, we're never out of business. You know, yeah. we're we're diversified, just like you would diversify a, a portfolio right. when you're investing in stocks. Yeah. I feel that was always our our strategy, you know, basically to build up a company yeah. and and have like a nice solid base and a foundation of sales because that's the lifeblood of any company. You started off quite an unusual yeah. company, as you mentioned before, being a blog mm-hmm. written by Ron. I believe he left the the uh, uh, cosmetics industry, being a researcher, being, being a, a chemist, chemist, chemist yeah, uh, yeah uh, consu- uh, cosmetic chemist. And he wanted to cut through the bullshit of all these products, Correct. all these claims, and start a dialogue and just just verify what were the sort of real real claims and and uh, and then but then started doing making his own products. Isn't there a sort of well, conflict no, of interest having because the blog's still running, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, and it's now really transitioned product, to yeah. Beauty Stead is really a product company yeah, now. Yeah, and I think what happened along the way when Ron made that transition of you know, um, reviewing products for consumers and cutting mm. through a lot of the BS. He became that sort of go-to cosmetic we chemist. We can say bullshit here. Yeah, uh, we can. can but he he sort of um, became that go-to cosmetic chemist that was quoted in a lot of articles. So Allure, Refinery29, mm. leaned on him all the time. Um, he, he still is quoting articles, sometimes not even about beauty stuff, just talking about ingredients and products. Mm. Um, 
and that I think helped because he had the credibility from a lot of beauty editors. So when he says, yeah. "Hey, I'm launching a line," they'll take him seriously, and they, yeah. they know he knows what he's talking about. And I think that's what helped. So that helped know. in the beginning. Is, is it still helping? Is of course. That, that, or, he's, or, he's an authority. Yeah. I mean, right yeah. now, Ron is at Cosmoprof, a large uh, trade show. Uh, he's on a panel, you know, with some other mm. uh, entrepreneurs, and no, it definitely helps. I think mm. you know. And, and also think of it this way. The cosmetic chemist story has not been told, I, I feel, in the industry. And and if we walked into any retail store, if we go to the buying corp over here, you yeah. know, the, the department store. You, receive, have, you see the result, right? Yeah, but no, but the every product in there, and I don't care if it says um, a doctor's name on it or a big brand name, they're developed by cosmetic chemists. Those are the guys, those are like the unsung heroes in the industry, but mm-hmm. you never really heard that term, exactly. cosmetic chemist. Yeah. You've heard me mention it, obviously, a few times but today. that's the secret yeah. sauce. Well, oh, they're, the, they're the chef in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, they're exactly. the one making It's it. just like the yeah. Coke recipe, right? No one knows it. No. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But then you build, but then the whole point is having, you know, just, again, having two gifted chemists who, you know, Ron and Jules, who, you know, have such long histories of developing products and working together, um, just... It's just a different you yeah. know, thing. Like, I'll be in the lab next week. We're having some meetings as the team. And it's always fun to go, I always say, in the kitchen and take a look around. And we mm. we really do share that with our top retail partners. We bring them in the kitchen, so to speak. We we send them the lab samples early. We want their feedback. You know, and I think mm. that's also what's interesting about how we and really— you said they came across the Holy Grail, which is this stable— Stable vit- vitamin C. Vitamin C, yeah. And um, is that really very different from any other anything yeah. else that's out there? Yeah, because yeah. most products out there, even if they claim stability— they aren't, you know, and that's that's actually frustrating for a lot of people because a lot of consumers expect that, you know, as soon as I put it on after, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I start to see differences. Mm. But if it is oxidizing as you've opened it, okay. yeah, that's sort of, it, it isn't right. really doing what it's supposed to be doing. And okay. I think that's what, that's where we've separated ourselves so from a lot of So you kind of increase the sell by date of it, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, ours is, yeah. like I said, this is shelf stable up to probably three years. Okay. And you're going to use that in 30 days. You know, right. if you're using it twice a day on clean skin, it's going to be used quick. Yeah. Um, we also developed, I didn't bring one with me, unfortunately, but we developed an offshoot of that product, an eye product. Well, the eye product, um, that's at 20%. The eye product's at the 5% um, level, but it has, I would say, it's married with a uh, any inflammatory cocktail of caffeine, magnolia, and hemp oil, or CBD. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to jump on the CBD bandwagon, but when we started formulating, we realized, wow, this has great anti-inflammatory properties. And then we combine it with another great ingredient, green tea. Green tea, which you assume people mm-hmm. drink it. Well, it's also a great anti-inflammatory. Again, if it's not stable, you're not getting results. And that's where we stabilize these actives. Um, what's interesting, you know, a lot of times when you look at products, like you've never seen, if you've seen ingredient lists, that's probably one of the shortest for a product you've ever seen. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the time it's like two pages of who knows what's yeah, in there. Yeah. We really try to use as few ingredients as possible with maximum Maximum and, facts, and, and you call it, and the, you call it a serum. You don't call well, it. You don't call it cream. Technically, they is, that, co- is that how you can charge eighty dollars? No, it? not at all. So <laughs> serums, that- serums are a treatment. Let's call it a treatment. Okay. Serums a lot of times have water. That that vitamin C that I put in your hand has yeah. no water in it. It's what they call an anhydrous formula. So you are paying for all the actives. It's oh. pretty thick too. So it's more of what we call a concentrate. So we're in a category called serums, which are treatments. But technically, that. A little goes a long way. So that, okay. you know, $80 bottle, if it's giving you the effects in a week or two um, and you're seeing those results quick, that is actually good value for money when you look at what is really okay. being sold out there. Products go well up over 100 euros a bottle. Easy. Okay. Um, most bottle. women know that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to miss an episode of CMO Talk? Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on cmotalk.global. 
in, in Cmoto, we always ask our guests a couple of, uh, of yes. statements. And um, here's the first one for you. A lot of beauty brands use influencers. However, you rely more on consumer-generated content, as just mentioned. The first statement for you. The role of influencers in brand building is overrated. Uh, I agree, actually, because I think, I think consumers are fatigued by influencers. I think they... Um, probably question it now, mm, you know, mm. than they did a few years ago. A few years ago, it was, you know, all the rage. Let's get an influencer and talk about yeah. it. Now, I think people take things a little more seriously. And also, influencers, a lot of times you see, is this a paid endorsement? Yeah, they yeah, actually yeah. must there, disclose there are, it now. There are regulations, right? Yeah, so I think that's changing. Mm. I, I see that definitely more and more. Um, in the end, it's authenticity. And I think that's what has to come through with whoever it is. And call them an influencer, call them a celebrity, call them just maybe an authority and maybe the in, in an industry. Um you want the product to really to come through. And I think that's one thing that I really feel confident about is because we make good products. That yeah. authenticity, when people see it, it comes through. And I think that's where I think that's where we have a, a big advantage. Yeah, and I think it's also the, the, the core of your brand, yep. which is also an authentic way. It's it's true, right? Yeah. Not many in, ingredients. And no. You actually pay what you get. For, I don't right? work for a big company. Yeah. I'm not so, telling some, you know, company line of yeah, exactly. spouting out something. You know, as you know, I'm I'm talking. I'm not looking at any notes. I know this off the top of my head because I've been here since the but beginning. But Paul, think, it it takes ages to build a brand yeah. only on social media and consumer generated content. How did you pull it off to to increase that that well, I, that growth? I think what helped is you know, and that's where when we came together with Ron, um, we knew he already had this little base, and it wasn't huge, but. At the time, I mean, back like in 2018, 15, he had 30,000 30, yeah. know, followers on Instagram, maybe about 20-some thousand on Facebook. We knew there was at least a small platform, even if it wasn't huge at the time, that we could say, here, try this product. Or, you know, have some people test it. Get those people talking about yeah. it. Get You know, and, and it is almost... The ripple effect. The ripple mm-hmm. effect, almost the virality of it, where you have something that, okay, you tell a, you tell a friend, you tell a friend, you mm-hmm. tell a friend. And it's sort of where you start. And then... You work with the industry. Okay, so we we get it to the beauty editors. If one of them likes it and they talk about it suddenly, well, that it just amplified it. Mm. And it's just this combination. And then, yeah, mm. we were probably a little aggressive in the beginning of, you know, let, let's do Facebook ads. Let's get into Instagram. Let's, you know, try the, the, the best made vitamin C. And then we get these little inflection points. One of the first ones I can remember, there were two things that happened back in 2019. One of the first one was Ron got on the Good Morning America. Good Morning America yeah. is a pretty big show in the U.S. As you know, millions of people see it yeah. and it goes across the U.S. The 8.30 hour, the 9.30 hour, the 10.30 hour because of the time change across a pretty large yeah. country. So millions of people saw it and we had a nice spike in sales. Again, that other, that that was just a great sampling opportunity where people got to try it. And then um, myself and Ron were at the Cosmoprof show that he is at right now. And in 2019, there was a, I guess you'd call it, they ran it almost like American Idol called The Big Find. And I saw this. I said, Ron, let's sign up for this. He goes, really? I said, come on, let's go for it. So we sent in products. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, like a month or two later, they said, oh, we're we're going to have a big, fine, um, uh, what do you call it, like event in New York. And we didn't even know what it was. All of a sudden, we show up. There's all these people standing here, like hundreds of people. And they, you walked into a room in front of a line of judges. It felt like I was on American <laughs> Idol or something. And it was a pitch. So Ron's the cosmetic chemist. I'm sort of the marketing. We pitched it. And all of a sudden they say, you're coming to yeah, GBC wow. headquarters. They give us a gold <laughs> ticket. And then we tape it. It's like Willy wow. Wonka. So, kind of yeah. And literally within, I think, two, three months, Ron was on QVC the first time. We sold over $100,000 in like eight minutes. Wow. So we hit their their mark. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> um, but 
that was like sort of the first, it was like these little things. So we have that D to C going, we got the QBC, you know, then some wholesale starts, yeah. you know, but that, that are more incidental successes, right? Yeah. How, how do you make it sustainable? Well, the, the thing is you're right because those are, those are shot. Like you're, you're, small, company, lucky shots. you're a small company, essentially a small company, grassroots company taking yeah. on massive giants like L'Oreal. How, yeah. how, how do you do that with so many breaking hmm. into this industry? And I read that Ron was reluctant to bring out his own, uh, range because he knew how difficult it was to break into this industry. Well, I think, again, it goes back to we knew we had something better. Right. We did the, we did, quote, I like to say, we did our homework. We, mm. we did the safety testing. We did the consumer study. We were getting great feedback. Then we do a clinical. We're like, okay, these results are better than anything is out. We knew, we know we're putting great products out on the market. And let's be honest, the world does not mean need more freaking skincare products, to be honest. <laughs> you guys know that. There's thousands out there. So if we can't make a better either really build something new that may be, okay, this is a white space or build a better mousetrap. You know what I mean? Build something that's better that outperforms. And that's sort of our mantra, build something better or build something new in a white space. And I think that's what we really are going after. Consumers are pretty fickle and they see through the bullshit really fast. So if that doesn't work, you're not going to buy this again. If this does work, you're going to buy it again. Mm. And you may even tell your friends about mm. it or you want, or you'll keep it a secret match. In terms which. of, okay, <laughs> if you buy it again, you also have a uh, subscription model, right? Of course. And Can that's tell, something, that's something you yeah. don't start until you have enough customers. Right? So right. yeah. And, you know, subscribe and save, you save 10 or 15%. Well, you know, the customers will like it, come back to it. And the other thing is we made this size, a 30, 30 ml. Well, our retail partner said, hey, you know what? Our customers love your product. Can you make a bigger bottle? We made a bigger bottle. And then the customers basically get that larger bottle, which suddenly, you know, that drives up your average order value. It's like, it's a combination of things. And that's why, as we're talking, I feel it's not any one thing. It's all of the above that really help you build a company. Make a great product, firstly. Tell the world about it, however which way you can. Um, and using all your, all the sort of, you know, the tools and things that you can do. Is it unique to have a subscription model in, in beauty? No, it's, I think that's almost become a norm. Most, mm. most companies, you know, if you have a Shopify platform, it's like a build-in, a, a plug-in API that mm. can have a subscription, right. you know, Predictive. Are people, are people quite loyal to a product when they find the serum or cream that they like, that they, they stick to it? And yes, they, I think right. so. I think, I think um, people are very loyal. You know, and mm. creature, we're creatures of habit. And mm. even, I'm sure, me, you know, do, do you, okay, you don't use shampoo because you're shaved, but do you use the same shampoo? <laughs> I do. Do I use the same deodorant? Yes. Yeah. You know, certain things. I do, use, I do moisturize. Yeah, yeah. Well, but that's I mean, hard. This, the same shame, I use how the same you, shame cream. But yeah. the same you, blade. How do you convince people who are used to L'Oreal products, Biotherm uh, Home for me, right? How do you convince them to do to to right to yeah, change to that jump, habit? Jump ship. Yeah. yeah. Well, you think about it this way. You know, I'm sure we've all sort of marketing one on one. How many times do you have to touch that customer for them to sort of want right. to get in their psyche? Yeah. Well, if that that uh, in the case, I very simple. Um, they look at Vogue. Oh wow, well, there's the top ten vitamin C's. Oh, there's Beauty Stat. Okay. Mm. A, a month mm. later, oh, there's Al. Oh, Beauty Stat. Oh, wait, Allure. Mm. They won the award. Beauty Stat. It's going to start to sink in. And then suddenly they get served up a, an ad where, oh, save 10% on 20% on beauty stat today only. Okay, I'm going to try this. And it is it is that kind of thing. You know, you just and, have to hit that customer from different angles. Do you market more sort of, what age group are you, are you aiming this at? Well, you think about it this way. Because um, it's more Technically, we're anti-aging, yep. you know, so I always, I always laugh. You have to have age, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. So if you're 25 years old with perfect skin, hey, you may not find the benefits on lines and wrinkles, but- Maybe you have an evenness of skin tone issue, or maybe you get adult acne or breakups. Yeah. It can help with that. So right. 
I was always surprised. I think when I first got in this, I thought, oh, anti-aging, we must be, you know, late 30s or 40 plus. We found it shift down because as we realized this has more attributes for a much wider range of people, the moisturizer all of us can use, men, women, you know, and also that goes back to our team. You know, Ron is African-American. I'm obviously Caucasian and our team is men, women, black, white, and all shades of colors in between. Mm -hmm. And we really make products for everybody. And that's Mm -hmm. why if you noticed on on both the products I'm sitting from, we use the word universal. That is by design. These products are developed for everybody. And that's, that's important, you know, and the products do have benefits for everybody, you know. And you have quite simple, simple packaging, clean packaging, packaging, no no frills. No. Um, and it's, it's, I would say it's pretty unisex, you know, it doesn't look feminine or masculine. It's Mm -hmm. it's because it's products for people Mm. (laughs) to be blunt, (laughs) you know. Um, Paul, we have a number of dilemmas that we send to each, uh, I guess and I'm going to present them to you and we'd like you to quickly choose but using your gut feeling not thinking too long and hard make a choice of, of one of or two <laughs> here we go what, what comes first profit or growth growth mm. best price or best product best product yeah <laughs> yeah hell yeah uh, offline or online brand building oh, um Online to start, it's easier. <laughs> yeah. Faster. Retail or social commerce? Uh, well, the world changed. Social is actually somewhat easier to get into, but you need the retail, I think, to back it up. Right. Sorry. Long, long <laughs> question. That's <answer>. okay. <laughs> Employee or customer satisfaction? Customer satisfaction. Because right. if the customers are satisfied, we're going to be happy. I mean, that's yeah. the way I would always look at it. Global brand or local hero? Global brand, of course. Oh, that's weird. Big aspirations. Big aspirations. <laughs> Enough of being a local hero. Exactly. Okay. Doesn't pay the bills. Nope. Okay. Cream or serum? Well, I like serum. Sounds more sophisticated than cream. Or creme. creme. How about creme? Creme. I like concentrate, actually, but okay. that's a whole other story. Uh, oh, you've had those arguments or discussions Always. in the boardroom. <laughs> yes. okay. Paul, which, which one would you like to pick out to uh, discuss in detail? Which? Which dilemma? Which dilemma, yeah. Ooh, God, there's so many. Um, you have to think long and hard about retail or social commerce. I think let's go down that road. Yeah. Huh. Because I think, you know, the world has changed, as you know, in the last 10, 20 years. I mean, so many people are... Um, online, they're on our phone. You, I mean, you see it every day. I mean, we go to any restaurant, you see people just glued to their phones. Mm-hmm. They're getting bombarded with messages and mm-hmm. everything. And I don't care if you're if you're looking through your you know your your Facebook or your Instagram feed, you're you're being thrown a lot of social selling essentially every day. Though I don't discount retail, and I think okay, the last two years, it's everybody's been connected to their devices, their laptop, um, working remotely. Uh, I think we're in the, and I like to call it, uh, we have this term, I was just out in New York and we were like, yeah, we're back in the roaring 20s, you know, and yeah. and people now I feel are actually, they want to see somebody in person. They want mm-hmm. to go into a store. We want to go get our cocktail at the cocktail bar, mm-hmm. you know, not make, make naked at home. And I think there's an interesting shift that one, yeah, I think people are more comfortable buying online than they were years ago. It's mm-hmm. now it's become such a neat, my, my mom, dad can, you know, everybody yeah. can, um, but I still think people want that 
just like us, we're sitting yeah. together. Yeah. This is nice. I'd prefer it's this is much. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot different us talking. Yeah. If I was, you know, on a Zoom call or just, you know, yeah. calling in and you didn't see my face, you don't see a little yeah. bit of the animation. Yeah. I don't see it yeah. from you guys. The give and take is completely different. And you get that experience different when you're in a store, you know, and I've been spending more. That's one thing that because I grew up in it, I love going into the stores and training the salespeople, you know, because, you know, I one just like this. I give them the product. I'm like, try it yourself. You know, and I tell them, I said, don't bullshit customers. Try it yourself. You know, if, if, you, if you can talk about it from your heart, that's mm-hmm. going to come across to customers. And I think that's the one thing that. But what about know, a me- message for in terms of social terms of your of your of your products? Do you have a do you have a sort of message for a, a purpose message or making the world a better place with your products? Um, well, I mean, we obviously I mean, how tr- how in- environmentally sound are they? Well, obviously, you're always now. I mean, it's become the norm where you know that product we use recycled plastic. Okay. Um, I've also got our certification for Leaping Bunny. We obviously don't do animal testing, things like that. We use, you know, great ingredients. We ha- work with some of the top, you know, ingredient manufacturers. One thing that's important, you know, microplastics. No, no microplastics. No, no. Okay. no, not in, not in the in, in it, yeah. of course. Um, and we really just try to do the right thing, you know. Recycled paper. It's funny. I was de- I was mm. developing a new box that we ship. So if somebody orders from us online in the U.S., I have a nice when they open it up, nice logo of Beauty Stat. I actually found a manufacturer in New Jersey, literally within an hour of our warehouse, that uses recycled paper. Okay. And it's this recycled box, and I got the nice recycled logo on the bottom in orange. So it's sort of nice when you can do those, those changes. Um, we aren't trying to be, you know, you know set the world on fire, do mm-hmm. something like that. That's not our mm-hmm. main driver. Our yeah. main driver is always focus on a product with, that performs oh, and gives results. But it's also probably you show uh, confidence. Yeah. And it's like ticking boxes, I think, for customers a lot of times is that they want to know that you're socially responsible, you know, and that you're making great products and you're trying not to harm the environment. Well, that's something that I didn't see straight away on the website. That's maybe Mm. something. Well, what inspires you? It's always, it's funny now to look back over, you know, a career of, God, I can't believe when I say that, like 40 years now. That's frightening for me to even say this, but... I love this this phase of the business of the the, the building part at the beginning where mm. you don't have all the answers. It's sometimes pretty nebulous, but I also feel like, you know what, we I know who to ask the right question to. And I'm very, you know, I check my ego at the door. I'm like, okay, I don't know how this works, but I know I can ask, you know, John knows, call him up. You know, or we built such a nice network. I mean, I was with my classmates here in the Netherlands. <laughs> I have this global network of people I can tap into, <laughs> you know, and I think that is something that's been you know, being a, a kid who grew up in Buffalo, New York, who never traveled to flip my world around, you know, 25 years ago to move to the Netherlands to come to school. Get stuck at the airport. Yeah, and get stuck <laughs> in the airport now. But, you know, to be able to, you know, change that. And, you know, now I've, you sure. know, when I look back, at, yeah, I've worked Europe, Middle East, Asia. I've traveled all over the world. And I didn't grow up like that. You know, I speak a little Dutch, a little German, a little Swedish, a little yeah. each now. Didn't didn't grow up like that either. Um, but all these experiences have sort of helped me, um which which when previous job things. do you think you learned the most about 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 marketing and and yourself? You know, what, I have to say probably the first job because I had a very good. I've had some. I've been fortunate to have mentors in my life. That was at the stereo points. store, yeah, the audio yeah, video yeah. store. Yeah, yeah. Um, the founder Tony. You know, he's probably twelve years older than me. But and I grew up. I guess I had to grow up fast because I was the young mm. youngest kid there. Um, everybody was older. My brother worked there too. Me and my brother worked in this store, and it was like a family business. Mm. It really was very supportive for us, which I think was great because, you know, our parents um, had split up. We were late teenagers, but we were pretty, you know, independent kids. Just having somebody who, like, just taught you the ropes. Mm. Um, 
gave you such business fundamentals because he was such an, a strong entrepreneur and he built you know, a multi-million dollar company. I mean, it grew and he's still he's somebody I admire, you know, to this day um, that I know. And when I look at what, you know, what we built and I looked at, wow, he just taught me to take care of the customer. Simple thing, <laughs> you know, learn the product, you know, take care of the customer. And then I, and then for some reason I had this competitive streak. I mean, you know, I played soccer, I ski raced, I love racing things. For some reason, I always like to win, you know? So yeah, when we had the little sales board, I'm the part-time kid who was only there at less hours, but I was always the top salesperson. That was my, my that my, my thing. You know, I'd like mm-hmm. being the, I like to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, also I think as you look back, it's not about winning. I'm not transactional now in per se. It's more, I want to now help people build a business, enjoy what I do. And build just a good life. Is that something you like then about a, a startup? The sort of the also the family feeling exactly. that you know everybody and yeah. sort of everyone's close. Yeah, and and and, it, and everybody is sharing in that that you know it, it's it is gut wrenching sometimes at times. I mean, I wouldn't tell probably nobody <laughs> to go do a startup, especially in this industry. It is super difficult. Um, you wonder if you're going to make it sometimes, and I think that's you know I guess what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? As they say. <laughs> Is there, is there a pearl of wisdom you'd like to share? What's, what's the biggest marketing tip you've learned, particularly for, for, for anyone else uh, thinking of um, starting a, a startup? You know, it's funny because I think I've, I've applied this from actually health and wellness because mm. um, years ago I wasn't as healthy as I am today. And mm. um, one thing, you know, when you're faced with, when you have a doctor say, okay, you're on high blood pressure medicine, cholesterol medicine, you're, you know, what is it? Two, two stone or 20 kilos overweight. You got to change it around because, you know, I want to live a long life. I have a a teenage daughter now. I think it's little changes and persistence. And I think that's one thing I've realized in life. That's so important. Like I exercise a little bit every day, you know, and I used to never do that, but now I see the results of like, wow, I'm in better shape at 56 than I was at 46, you know, but I live my life. Yeah, I have a glass of wine or a cocktail occasionally. I have great food, but I found that balance. And I and I think another, you know, when I think about mentors and people who've affected me. So I've read a book many years ago. I don't know if you've heard of um, the 5 a.m. club, Robin Sharma. So he's a... I know the Miracle Morning was a little well, bit he wrote similar. The, he wrote the, um, the, uh, the monk who sold his Ferrari, the 5 a.m. club. But a couple of years ago, I read this book and I was like, you know, he's right. I got to start my day up earlier. You know, the... If you've heard the mantra of, you know, first thing I do is I make my bed. I throw my gym clothes, I go outside. I listen, you know, I, I first get some exercise. I do listen or learn something, you know, listen to a podcast, read a book, mm. then maybe like sort of just try to clear your head, meditate. Mm, and yeah. you start that morning routine, mm. it sort of sets you up for the day. Mm. And so it's the persistence to change and it's the persistence to stay the course. And I think that's where, I think what happens in this, in society, and you guys know this, when you look at, you know, the the perfect Instagram lives out there that we see, it's not real sometimes. I mean, I think real is is getting up every day and you know what? Fighting the good fight, push and just keep pushing, keep pushing. And then you look back, you're like, wow, three months ago we were here. You know, now I'm here. And I think that's the one thing, persistence, you know, and focus and targeting something and really just, you know, run that course. Nice. Well, people give up too easy, around. I think. And we wish you lots of luck. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Thank you so much, Paul, for having you in our in our studio in Amsterdam. And thank Thanks you for, for listening here. to CMO Talk with Paul Walgren, CMO of Beautystat, talking about brand building with a shoestring budget. Uh, don't want to miss out any episode of CMO Talk. You can subscribe easily on cmotalk.global or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Hope to see you next and hear from you also hmm. We'd like next to month. You. 
om Simo te doorlopen. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit cmotalk.global for more interviews. The CMO Talk podcast is developed and directed by Energize. Audio mixing and mastering by voice booking. CMO Talk is sponsored by our valued partner, Adobe.